Hello, everyone. I'm Alicia Swamy, and I'm here with Eric Johnson and Keely Severson, and we are Exposing Mold. So there is a very popular HBO show called The Last of Us, and this show was actually based on a video game. But the plot of the story is that there is an outbreak of a mutant cordyceps fungus that ravages the U.S., and it transforms its hosts into aggressive creatures known as the infected. It is set in the suburbs of Austin, Texas. It's an apocalyptic show. It shows what happens to the population after, I guess, a deadly fungal outbreak here. And what we really wanted to talk about is, yes, this does happen in nature, as you can see the zombie fungus and other examples, but is this something that can happen to us? And we really wanted to talk about the distinctions between mold, infection, and also toxicity. So Eric, what are your thoughts about this current show and cordyceps infecting its hosts to turn them into zombies. Well, it's an interesting concept, but it helps create a little more confusion between toxic mold inhalation and infection because people want to conflate the two. And if they're not kept separate, that you're not attaching importance to the indoor air quality, which is our primary focus. Yeah, it seems like people get the two mixed up uh, between infection and toxicity. People will say, oh, well, you know, my urine mycotoxin test came back high, so I literally have mold growing in my body. Or we will hear some experts say, oh, well, if you're inhaling these mold spores, you're now going to be creating mold in, in your body and you are now a mycotoxin producer. Your gut is producing mycotoxins from this particular mold <clears throat> strain. How much validity does this carry? None. Um, when Joe Brewer came out with this idea that uh, fungal infections in the sinuses are the source of the toxins that are making people sick and into our quality, I thought, well, that's ridiculous. But I mean, people know that they walk into a building, get sick, and leave the building, get better. So it's clearly a toxin that's in the building. So he's trying to say that it's in the nose and not the building, that you can never escape it because it's in your sinuses and you carry it with you all the time. But if you wanted to check, it would be a simple matter to get some snot, your nasal secretions, tested for these toxins, and find out if that's the source. Why wasn't this done? Simplest test in the world. So it seems like the goal is to create confusion, not to clear anything up. And my concern has, my interest, shall I say, has always been the phenomenon of getting sick in certain buildings. And I wanted to find out what that was. Seems to be toxic mold. So I stick with that. What about people who say that they're, they spit out stuff and it starts growing black? Well, that actually happens. The uh, Porath family that burned down their house in Auburn, they were so immune compromised that um, they had aspergillus growing in their mouth. It was culturable. So, yes, toxic mold can suppress the immune system so bad that you will get a fungal infection. You will uh, be wide open for aspergillus, aspergillosis, or even mucor, which can completely eat out your sinuses and, and kill you. And it's interesting that a lot of people with mucor got it 
during a hurricane when toxic mold was stirred up, whereas it doesn't happen normally. It's mucor is a very common uh, fungal pathogen in the soil, but people rarely inhale it. Even gardeners don't get mucor. So why does it happen during a hurricane? But there's a clear difference between an immune suppressing toxin exposure and the, the fungal infections that can jump out at you. And people don't seem to keep these straight. And doctors are capitalizing on, on that to find and treat fungal infections, which they can do and ignore this toxic mold phenomenon that is sweeping the, the world, actually. What percentage would you say people are dealing with infection versus toxicity? Well, I wouldn't even hazard a guess because there's no studies. Mm-hmm. People are just throwing out information and acting like they, they have the answers when there's no serious study. It's more productive to look at the existing examples of sick building syndrome and analyze those than to try to project what's happening all over the world. What we do know by the sheer number of complaints that people joining mold groups, that whatever is going on with the toxic mold in the sick buildings, that has gone exponential. It is growing quantum. I mean, we, we get so many stories every day that we can't even keep up with them. For me, what it sounds like is that the immune suppressing toxin exposure is like the base. That's number one. And then the infections come after. So what doctors are doing right now is that they're just going and treating the infection instead of going to the first part of saying, hey, you're in mold, you need to get out of here. Yeah, the uh, resulting secondary infections don't even seem to be an inducement for doctors to look at why so many people go into sick buildings and get fungal infections, reactivated viruses, bacterial infections that are out of control, all kinds of problems that would only result as the after effect of a suppressed immune system, and yet they just want to treat whatever they can find. Would you say that a lot of these infections could actually resolve if they focused on the main point of just getting out of the mold instead of going straight to treatment? Anecdotally, the people that bail out of sick buildings, that's exactly what happens. Intractable infections that doctors are unable to treat miraculously go away. Suzanne Summers wrote a book about how doctors mistook all of her tumors and her problems for cancer, and she figured out that it was mold, got out of it, and all of her cancer completely disappeared. A lot of these infections can resolve after getting out of the mold, after focusing on what is causing all these secondary infections. So then would you say that treating is actually causing more harm to that patient because they are now, God knows what, wiping out their good bacteria, setting themselves up for fungal strains that they won't be able to kill with antifungals later on? Well, it seems logical to me to ask the uh, top researcher, Dr. Joseph Heitman, Heitman at Duke University, who's conducting the um, clearance trials for voriconazole, VFIN, the uh, latest and greatest antifungal drug, which is really effective at wiping out filamentous bacteria. Fungal infections, uh, they tend to exhibit what's called fungal dimorphism. At a certain temperature, the fungus will grow as a colony of globulous, you know, mass of, of goo. Whereas if you put in a Petri dish, you get a filament form. It's the same species. It's the same fungus, 
But at certain temperatures, typically in the human body, it doesn't have the filamentous form. It grows as a glob. And they found that these infections, these fungal infections, were exhibiting filamentous forms in the body. And the um, boriconazole seems to be especially good at addressing the filaments. So this information was coming out, and I thought, well, I'll ask him. So I called him up. And to my surprise, he said, I would not use this as a first line of treatment without finding out why these people were unable to control the fungal infection. Something else must be causing it. They go, well, that's amazing because you're the guy in charge of developing this drug for treatment of these out of control infections. And you're telling me it's counterproductive to just go ahead and give this to people. And he said, yes, because it'll wipe out the strains that you're trying to address. Typically the weaker fungal infections, which opens up a niche for the stronger ones. So you might get some temporary result, but without addressing whatever suppressed the immune function, the infection will be back worse than ever. We'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Home Cleanse, formerly known as All American Restoration, is a company that specializes in mold remediation, offering services nationwide. You can visit them at homecleanse.com to learn more. The Mold Guy performs mold sampling and testing for homeowners, renters, and businesses. Please visit themoldguyinc.com to learn more. Black Diamond Services provides solutions to the unforeseen challenges that can affect homes and families with no out-of-pocket costs. Services include temporary housing relocation and mold test referrals for homeowners. Please visit blackdiamondservices.com to learn more. Thank you again for your sponsorships. It is integral to our ability to serve our community and to improve the quality of life for all. That makes sense because it would only kill what the medicine could kill, making the, like antibiotic resistance. Right. The candida albicans is the, com- that's, everybody's got candida. It, it's like part of the normal human flora. But sometimes in a suppressed immune system, it gets out of control and you get the famous yeast infection. Well, that's the weakest, weakest fungal strain there is. So if you take an antifungal, that's the one that gets wiped out. But the stronger ones like Candida crucii or Candida tropicalis move in, take over, and people go, oh, wow, my fungal infection mutated. It became stronger. It, you know, it, it turned into a different fungus. No, it didn't turn into a different fungus. You wiped out the weaker ones and the strong ones got a foothold. What confuses me is the use of antifungals as a treatment that matches a positive mycotoxin blood test. Because if you find evidence of mycotoxin exposure through a blood test, that's a chemical exposure. Not ev- It doesn't prove a fungal infection. This is true. Now, Dr. Mould, Vincent Marinkovich down in Redwood City, he routinely, from back in the days when they just assumed that if you had a mold illness, it was probably a fungal infection, he just started giving people itraconazole, sporinox, and that did seem to help a lot of people. So this led them to conclude that mold illness is probably an infection. Well, there's a lot of secondary infections that can result from this immunosuppressive agent. So you can't really define a disease by whatever you find that treats it. In the early days of AIDS, 
they were throwing all kinds of stuff at the HIV before they even knew it was HIV. And a lot of these antibacterials and antifungals, they helped temporarily. But does that cure HIV? No. We seem to be in the exact same situation with doctors using the exact same flawed logic that they did back then and trying to define the disease by whatever seems to help. Cordyceps also kind of represents like a fungal infection that totally takes over your brain. And it seems like people misunderstand being mold sick as mold being colonized in their blood or in their brain. Yeah, we had a really good example of this with uh, Cryptococcus gaudi at Vancouver Island. People walking in this park too close to this tree were getting a fatal fungal infection. Fortunately, they figured it out fairly quickly. Now, Cryptococcus neoformans, the famous fungal infections that is associated with pigeon droppings in cities, is a fairly common thing. I mean, you find antibodies to Cryptococcus neoformans in most urban children. They've, they've been exposed to pigeon droppings at some point, and a lot of them have this Cryptococcus neoformans. Well, Cryptococcus gaudi is a similar species, but it seems to have mutated become much more stronger and this it's turned into a fatal disease. Whatever caused it to mutate, it manifested in this park in Vancouver Island, got into this tree, simply walking too close resulted in this infection. So clearly there is a threat that fungal infections can mutate and do horrible, horrible things, maybe even apocalyptic things, but that still is not defining the uh, illness as a toxic exposure, it's an infection. And if you want to understand the situation, one needs to understand the distinction. There's a lot of people that are mold doctors and they're telling everyone, oh, you're, you're now a mycotoxin producer because the mold has colonized your gut or you have mold in your blood. I mean, how... Like, how are they just able to just come up with this information? And are they not thinking of how science works and how these things can mutate? Like, why are they just throwing antifungals and antibiotics and just all Elise, these yeah, Are people really saying that they you're a mycotoxin producer? A lot of them like, say it. Yeah. I think that you should leave this in the episode and let people hear how ridiculous that is, honestly. <laughs> well... Whether it's true, like uh, they're saying, oh, you get an aspergillus infection and it's producing like gliotoxin, ocrotoxin. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe that's true. But is it sufficient to cause the kind of illness that we call sick building syndrome? Apparently not. But they're implying that it is. Well, they're also making a really big stretch by saying, you know, like if you're reacting to your breath, what, because you're excreting mycotoxins? We just plain don't know. What happened to the scientific method? Why do these doctors just jump out there and start spewing their theories, have them accepted and repeated? They start a rumor that they can't stop. Doctors are completely out of control. They never back up and go, what, what's consistent with science here? What can we test? What can we reproduce? Let's go back to the drawing board, find out what's right and what's wrong. Apparently, there's more profit in publicizing a popular concept and selling a treatment for it than conducting proper science. Oh, yeah. And then you have the the quote-unquote wellness practitioners or whatever that go for a weekend and take a test, and now they're a holistic practitioner that are saying, oh, here's this candida diet. 
your main problem is a candida issue. You need to not eat any sugar and whatever, you know, have a boring life because your candida is getting crazy. Well, why is the candida going out of control? Because your immune system is being suppressed. Why don't we start from that base point? Why do people come up with these downstream approaches? Is it simply for profit? Yes. Like During the 1985 Lytle mystery disease, Dr. William Crook's book came out, The Yeast Connection. And since that was the prevailing philosophy of the time, everybody got the book, decided that since they did seem to have out of control yeast infections, fungal infections, that this was the way to go. And yeah, I got it. Everybody got it. And we were all trying to limit sugar, cut out gluten, do the yeast-free diet. Oh, what a sad life. It was so huge. <laughs> Then in Incline Village, which is a very small town, I mean, you can walk across it in 15 minutes, we had five health food stores open up dedicated to Dr. Crook's yeast connection diet. So we've got hundreds, if not maybe thousands of people dedicating themselves to this proposition that if they do this amazing diet, it's going to cure all their problems. And how well did that work? It didn't. That's so funny. Now all these health food stores are out of business. <laughs> really, <laughs> a lot of the peddlers of the the mold diets and the candida diets are all falling apart themselves. So it's like, really, wow, you can really solve everything with a diet. Why are you still falling apart? It doesn't help them, but they'll still sell it for you. We had every flavor of con artist and charlatan and fraud in Incline Village that you can imagine. In fact, that's why the Center for Disease Control was so disgusted when they tried to look at the illness. There were more people selling cures than there were sick people. You could uh, buy crystals that were guaranteed to cure you, tuning forks that would reduce your symptoms by sonic vibrations. Uh, you could buy your own personal mantra that would, um, you know, every day in every way, I'm getting better and better. You just repeat that often enough. And they didn't call it brain retraining back then. In fact, the first one was called the Laughter Project. The Laughter Project that your mouth muscles and your smile muscles are connected to your brain. And so if you smile enough that these neural impulses from the act of smiling will translate into physiological responses generated in the brain that are guaranteed to reduce your feelings of depression. That is the most bullshit I have <laughs> ever heard in my It was so bad. It was so bad during the Incline Village outbreak that people would actually say, well, if you're not smiling, you're not trying. Oh, my gosh. Needless to say, I developed a very healthy contempt for all these con <laughs> artists, <laughs> make oil salesmen, frauds, and especially for brain retraining. Absolutely. So going back to The Last of Us, you know, this, this show is about an infection, infecting people. So what do you think is going to get us first, Eric? Do you think uh, a fungal infection is going to lead to an apocalypse? Or do you think sick buildings and the rise of immune system damage is going to lead to an apocalypse? At this point, just judging by what I see in sick buildings, I say toxic exposures in the lead by far. Absolutely. Because you can see how, look at us, look at so many people that have had really bad toxic exposures in their homes and their workplaces, they flee these places like, you know, as soon as they figure it out, they're out of there. As soon as you get to a point where you're like, my symptoms, like it's either life or death, they're fleeing. 
And so we're seeing these stories over and over. And I can't tell you how many times a day I hear, I see stories. Oh, I had to flee. I had to go here. I had to go there. I had to, you know, it's like pretty soon people are going to be just fleeing cities. How quickly they forget that only 20 years ago, this was completely unknown. How is that even possible? Back uh, when they used to issue smog alerts, everybody go inside, stay in your houses, keep the door closed. What? Now, everybody says your, your toxic buildings are the worst place you could possibly be. What are you supposed to do? During the 1970s, if you go back and look at a telephone book, look at advertisements for, well, there, there were no remediators. There was nothing for sick buildings. It didn't exist. But especially, you look at the ads for air filters. Oh, yes, there were air filters, but they were for cat dander. They were for dust, you know, sometimes smoke, but there was no mention of mold. If mold was so important, how is it possible that the advertisements failed to mention it just 30 years ago? We know so many celebrities that have gotten sick by mold. Ed McMahon, Megan Fox, Suzanne Summers. they put mold in literally every single TV show you can think of. And it's still like, what? mold can cause problems? What? There's a toxicity factor to this? It's just, it's weird. It's absurd. Awareness was raised with Melinda Ballard making the front page of USA Today back in 1999. We've had almost a quarter century of front page awareness of toxic mold. For anybody to claim at this point that they never heard of it is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. So that's where we're at with things. Hollywood building the perception that mold and whatever fungi is just an infection driven issue. When we have a toxicity issue at play, that's even bigger than that. And just how Hollywood is just mocking everybody and also doctors. I mean, I feel like doctors are just creating a mess of the situation when they really should be the ones that should be helping us through this. Um, so at the end of the day, it feels like you're kind of on your own, right, Eric? It's like you have to go rogue and figure these things out or come to our organization where we kind of lay out the, the framework for all the madness that's been happening in this in this industry. I almost feel sorry for people who are getting mold sick today, entering mold groups, being misled by all these people with these various theories. Back in the day, if you got sick in a building, you stayed out of the building. It was very straightforward. Nowadays, you've got endless supplements, endless cures, so many easy things that you can do to avoid having to take action. And all these people, they just get sicker and sicker until they finally have to evacuate anyway. All right, everyone. Well, it was great chatting with you and uh, we'll see you guys next time. 